Welcome back everyone to uh, Man United Forum Podcast. We had a bit of a hiatus there as per Ted's um, post that he put up on the forum quite a few weeks back. But we couldn't, I felt personally, I couldn't let the previous 48 to 72 hours go by without having some kind of discussion on a podcast about the absolutely crazy, crazy carry-ons, what's going on in the football world at the moment. Um, and in particular, obviously, it sounds like Man United um, were one of the two clubs with Real Madrid uh, leading this proposed ESL, a European Super League. Now, in my lifetime, I'm a bit of an L-fecker now at this point. This is about the fourth time I've heard something about this, but I'm not going to just give you my sentiments about this. Tonight I've got uh, fellow admin John Murray on uh, the podcast here tonight and Darren McCumiskey, uh, member on the on the forum. And we're going to get through all of this as quickly as we can, try and touch on as many points as we can, and I'm going to pick our brains, get different thoughts. And I was chatting to the two guys this morning um, about different things from, you know, putting salary caps in place to whether they agreed with it or whether they didn't. Myself and John had heated discussions with other admins and other members, you know, uh, on different topics related around this. But look, we'll touch on it all anyway over the next probably 45, 50 minutes or so, roughly. But uh, I'll say hello to the guys. How are you getting on, lads? All good, Corpy. Baron? Yeah, down good, man. Thanks very much. Head still okay? How would you describe us briefly, very, very briefly? How would you describe the previous two to three days? It's all been a bit mental, hasn't it? That's the only <laughs> word I can think of. It. It's almost surreal, mate. It really is. I think it's surreal, very much surreal. Like um, I'm glad John put that post up earlier on and bullet pointed it because I was thinking, you know, I've supported United now for about 35 years, roughly, near 34. And I genuinely cannot think of club or the international level anything as batshit bonkers crazy. As to what's happened in the last 48 hours, it's just absolutely surreal. I think I speak for all of us, I don't want to be putting words into mouths here, but I think none of us are in favour of this ESL. And would I be right in saying that? I think that's fairly accurate. I think everyone thinks it's a terrible idea and they agree. Okay. Yeah, I'd be the same, man. I, don't, I wasn't a huge fan of it at all. Um, I know we spoke off air. Mm. Um, and I didn't ever see it coming to fruition. Like kind of, like yourselves, it was it was a bargaining chip. It was you know it was football clubs playing poker and getting their chips on the table a bit early, and that was it really. Um, you know. Mm. I did very. I agree with you. I did see it as a. Um, it was strong arm tactics. Um, as you said, they were pushing all in. And in my lifetime, I've heard of this a few times. I gave it precise times when it was brought by. I can precisely remember being uh, mentioned uh, with the formation of the revamped Champions League. And it was just a constant murmur around between 92 to 1995, almost on and off, on, you know, every few months, um, you know, about a Super League coming into, into practice. Like, you know, the Champions UEFA and the Champions League and all, it wasn't good enough. There was going to be a breakaway of Europe's top clubs. Never really came to fruition. But then when you see and you hear the things that actually have happened in the last two days, you kind of think to yourself, okay, this is actually genuinely going to happen at this point. And I was starting to think down that road, oh, this is finally it. It is actually going to, it's going to happen. These monsters of, of, of European football are going to go off, do their own thing. Um, you know, every other time they were always appeased by UEFA. You know, they always got enough 
brown envelopes or whatever you want to call it and they it's kind of continued on with the duration that that it is but i've kind of put a bullet pointer here on what's kind of happened in the last two days so on sunday the 19th of april 2021 the news started the break of this european super league it involved 12 teams immediately that were joining that was six english the traditional six english clubs that we know there was three italian clubs the two milan clubs and juventus and then three Spanish Rail and Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. The structure I actually quite liked, to be honest, which it sounded quite good because I don't like the the round robin, if you what they call it in the Champions League. I would actually like to see uh, what the name is, an actual league. I actually quite like the idea of having the two leagues and then you know going into a smaller knockout phase. I won't go into all the details of that, but it was essentially two leagues. Top teams go through. There was a playoff. Then in each of the leagues for fourth and fifth, they go into a quarter final setup two-legged semi-final two-legged again and then a one-off final what followed quickly after that then was jose being sacked first thing on monday morning that was breaking the news and was talking rumors of him you know basically going on strike refusing to train and all that which was later denied and a few hours after that then we had ed woodward andrea agnelli of juventus ceo both ceos of respective clubs um stepping down from the ECA the European Club Association what followed then on Sky was on Monday Night Football we had huge heated debates from John O's favourite Gary Neville um, and Jamie Carragher and they put some forward some great arguments um, and I have to say I've got a lot of respect it takes balls to come out and talk about things about themselves being labelled as hypocrites and myself and John discussed that quite at length on the forum as well and we'll touch on that later on and there was talk of European government intervening and threatening the severest of punishments. They never really divulged what that would, invo- uh, what that would involve. Uh, UEFA were quick out the gates as well with threatening players um, of bans from any of their future tournaments. Um, FIFA as well on international tournaments, your European Championships, your World Cups. Um, Premier League CEOs met. There was a few rumblings about that as well. Then stories started to break about players then going on strike and confronting the CEOs. So there was huge talk then of Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw, Bruno Fernandes, all going in to confront Wood Woodward. And supposedly the rumours got out, Maguire um, said to Woodward, look, look, you need to step down from this European Super League or there's going to be mass legal action, a group uh, legal action brought forward from all the players if they're going to be banned from all the tournaments and such. That's what I would read into that anyway. It seems supporters set aside their rivalries. You have two of the... Arguably the most fiercest rivalry in English football with Liverpool and United. They seem to band together. They're all in agreement that this had to end. Uh, numerous uh, media pundits spoke out. There was quotes such as an attack on football. It was greed. And what's, a, what's the point of it if not to compete? And then a day later then on the back of all that backlash on Monday. Um, there was talk then of clubs backing out of it then. Man City and Chelsea were rumoured all along to not have been that strongly in favour of it anyway. They have their oil money, they don't need it, they have their oligarchs and whatever else. So it was never really, you know, that badly needed by those two clubs. And last night then, just bombshells were dropping left, right and centre. First up, Ed Woodward resigns as CEO of MUFC. Um, but however, he is staying till the end of the season. The board are trying to pass that off as it was always in the pipeline anyway. Yeah, did we, are we buying that? I don't think so. Um, And then we just had a, absolutely shambolic you know um statement then saying that they were exiting the uh, the esl that had actually never even started 
So that's basically everything all in a nutshell. And I don't know. Do you want to give your overall sentiments? Just kind of, I suppose, what do you think of it, Darren? I haven't heard too much about you, what you so, thought about it's it. A all. Massive, it's a massive nutshell for a start. <laughs> Sorry to go ranting off there, lads. Yeah, but right. Just kind of jogged the memory. It was just mental, man. You know, um, I think, you know, we kind of spoke about stuff earlier. And I do think, you know, it was kind of smoke and mirrors. I don't think there was a whole lot of solidity to it. I know they've had discussions with banks and all this stuff, but a lot of that stuff can be, you know, hearsay and, or, you know, stuff that can be orchestrated to to make those meetings with UEFA an awful lot easier going forward. I think, to be honest with you, um, most clubs now are looking to probably do their own sort of media stuff. You know, that's that's where I think we're, we're headed to. We're mm. headed to, you know, guys subscribing to MUTV and all of the United Games being on it. Similar to the La Liga model with Real and Barca, you believe? Yeah, I think so. I think that's I think that's what the clubs want. And what will happen then is clubs will will exchange games. So if if I'm a United fan and I pay fifteen ninety nine a month to get the United channel, I get all the United games. But for getting the away ones, that means then if Newcastle come to Old Trafford, we give them that game in return. Mm. So it'll feed that type of direction. That's okay. that's what I can kind of that's what I envisage going forward, and I think that's what the clubs would like. Because um, I think obviously you can maximise profits that way, as opposed to being being fixed into a kind of a deal mm. where they're going to get a set amount of money. If if it's left to them, they can you know they can really push this thing. They can change pricing and they can you know hire it, lower it. Mm. They'll be able to really lower it. I doubt that's ever happening. You know, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the thing. The Premier League agreement was a collective agreement, so they'll never be able to do a. Mm. what's happened in the past like or what's been proposed in the past and obviously there's the 3 o'clock TV rule and all that sort of shit on a mm. Saturday that sort of got pushed aside with COVID mm. all of that like that's part of the reason that when we talk about Spain we talk about Germany we talk about Italy to a lesser extent like in Spain and Germany there's no collective agreement mm. all the clubs are individual deals and that's why Barcelona and Real get about 90% of the TV money Mm. In Germany, I think Bayern's TV figure is about 80% is what's estimated most of the time mm. compared to the rest of the Bundesliga together. Whereas in the Prem and the covenant for the Prem that was built on, mm. originally the whole football league and the English Premier League, well, or Division 1 as was at the time, shared all TV revenue equally from the top to the bottom, mm. with prize money being then distributed based on finishing positions in respective leagues. Mm. the reason the Premier League itself was such a problem and was seen as a breakaway group and essentially the FA would have been left on their hot and holding their cock mm. without um, eventually agreeing to allow it was that the Premier League was going to take the TV money for its own individual deal and only split it amongst the then 22 clubs mm. which then obviously what was it, 94, 95 was the last year of the... 92, yeah. 92 was the last year of the... Well, no, 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 92 was the last year of the Division 1. Yeah. 94, 95, I think, was the last one we played uh, with a 22 league. Oh, yes, it was, yes, yeah. yeah. I think it swapped to 20 in 95, 96. Yeah. But within that agreement for the Premier League itself, all teams get an equal TV distribution and then mm. prize money is then based from 20 upwards or within groups I can't remember the exact thing mm. like 
there's been like obviously we all know NBC and all we have deals right every match in the Premier League in the States mm. and there was originally an attempt to believe that they look at segregating those matches instead of having the like NBC soccer net as it is now or whatever the fuck yeah call it, yeah yeah that they were going to do individual packages for each team mm. we can't actually do that with the Premier League's TV deal and with the digital rights, there's still a lot of question marks over whether they can. That's why we're seeing, like, obviously, the few matches that Amazon got and all that sort of thing in recent years. Because the digital arm and stuff is so new and wasn't even thought about in the original contracts. Mm. That now you're getting into grey areas of coverage that they want to like say, oh, yeah, well, like, this included everything. The teams are all saying, eh, no, this is, a, this is a new medium. Like, exactly, yeah, anyway, to, which yeah. is where you're like you've seen obviously renegotiations of the TV contracts themselves in the usual fashion, but then also more talk about the digital rights because it's became so much more important. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that are streaming compared to being into a word or satellite service. It, it's funny you mention that because one of the things that I really took away from it, and it was kind of like again to touch on what Jamie Carragher and, and Neville were talking about on Monday Night Football. He went reaching for his, his mobile phone and said, this is what they want. And he held it up in front of the camera. They want to show their games. Man United want to sub with a provider to go digital like what you said and have their matches streamed every whenever it is they play them and you know charge people one euro, 150. You know, if you get 150 million people watching that worldwide, 150 million quid in the coffers. You know, obviously just gone, that's going to get spread out, whatever. They don't get it all, you know, but... That's kind of the the area that they're going, and that no doubt that's what they're probably obviously trying to do with ESL, and you know it's all about them cashing in on their image rights, their historical rights. Sure, um, look, we're less than six months from Sky trying to charge fifteen quid a game on a Saturday. Exactly, and we posted that time and time again, you know, and Gary Neville giving out about that, and I was fun- I was going to actually send you a screenshot of it. I remember his tweet, and. He was quite clever how he tweeted it. He blamed the Premier League. Now, I, I stand to be corrected on this. Was it the Premier League that tried to introduce that, or was that Sky that tried to charge for the games? It would have been about Sky and BT were looking to charge for games that were going to be in addition to their existing packages. Because I put no, it... I've seen it on Red Cafe, yeah, and I saw some people arguing then saying, oh, well, no, that was the Premier League that actually tried to... They went to the broadcasters and said, look, we need to get some kind of money some money back in because of COVID. We're not getting people to the turnstiles anymore, so let's try and find another the, outlook. The, the turnstiles for the Premier League mean nothing. That no, I get that. I know. I get. Well, they did lose. Like, what well, we lost, what? I don't know. I saw but reports about 80 million, 90 million. million. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, okay. Mm. We reckon there was 120 million based by what was on the books. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years. So 5 million and, and yeah. Mm. So 5 million plus yeah. for the 19, yeah. I so think it was the, like the, the 30 million rebate from the previous seasons. Yeah. Uh, season season tickets. Exactly, yeah. So the, yeah, they're looking at different ways like to, to 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 make up for the loss of Joe Turnstile, if you will. Let's get the guy, the the, 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 the legacy fans, as you say. No, I know. Yeah. This season, and what happens is every kind of four home league games, mm. I get a payment okay. for the, the four home league games times two tickets. So I get say oh, okay. two hundred, whatever it is, mm. and I will get launched in. I get a little text in the club to say games A, B, C, and D will be refunded on such and such a date and you'll get them mm. into the bank so that's even costing them again you know yeah. 
so it okay so it's, it's obviously broken down for the time being I, I, it's just so much happening and I stand to be corrected on this are all 12 teams gone from this year uh, ESL now I don't I don't think no, I've, not here. no this is it yeah so you rail still haven't Juventus are still hanging in, I think, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think... I think Juventus said, uh, already said that this looks like it's dead. I think like, Real and Barca, where the main proponents are starting this up. From, mm. I was on Sky about What's maybe 45 the minutes ago, and they mm. nine of them crossed off the, the list. Nah, it's dead in the water Real, then. Barca, yeah. Juve, where the three left, but I think Juve have said they're going to leave, but mm. they haven't maybe done paperwork or whatever is fucking necessary for the meantime you know something uh, I don't know like geez, uh, probably none of the three of us know this okay so Ed, Ed Woodward stepped down from the ECA but yet we've got a fixture to play in the Europa League now in what about 10 days time so yeah, how does that work it wouldn't make any difference no no because it's European Club Association it's basically a back slapping body mm. it doesn't really serve much of a purpose other than lobbying Okay, and obviously, like it's absolutely shambolic. I don't think anybody's buying. I didn't buy. I I think John, you've said as much as well. Like the club are trying to sell it that uh, Woodward was plan. He was planning to step down anyway, and the last sixteen years or whatever it is that he's been at the club, have taken a great toll on him. Um, I've no doubt that he obviously went through some pretty shitty times. Like there was some horrible things, and in, as you often say, and I often say, some. Uh, untrue things said about him. I'm not a fan of the guy. Per se. I don't know the guy, obviously. So I've no doubt that it did take a bit of wear and tear on him mentally. Um, but I'm not buying that this was planned. There's no way. I think he's the scapegoat. The Glazers are hiding behind him. They need somebody to blame to take the bullet. It's always the way with all these type of scandals that that uh, come about. Would I be Would I be correct in thinking you guys think the same as well? Or I I think it's plausible. Mm. that he was going to leave but I think they're being very very clever in they're dangling the carrot to say mm. you know he may have been leaving but we're we're now going to say that this is why he left as opposed to anything else like it gets them out of a difficult conversation as well as to oh our chief executive stepped down oh why does he step down well you know he went through an awful lot mentally when our own fans were attacking his house and stuff. It's not it's, good it's, PR. It's actually quite clever that they that they did that as well. It's kind of pushing back yeah. on the fans, like and maybe kind of getting a bit of with some of them. Obviously, everybody has a different DNA makeup. Some of them might think, "Oh, geez, that's quite bad." Actually, he has been through quite a lot. Myself yeah. and John can kind of sympathise, and I think you can as well, Darren. Like the stuff of like oh, yeah. protesting outside his house is wrong. It's not even sympathising. It's like it's just basic empathy, really. Mm. To be honest, yeah, because. At the end of the day, he's been hired to do a job. He's doing that job. Whether we like, like, like him or not, if you think about it, he's done more to restructure the club in his time as chief executive or vice executive mm. chairman or whatever the heck his title is these days. Mm. Or still not to be. <laughs> then Gil did in his time with Fergie. And that was mm. because Fergie ran with a, like an iron fist. And for better or worse for the club, we like never really... Expected anything to change, but once Fergie left, we expected everything to be changed over. Mm. In a structure, like in a club where we constantly talk about the United Way, there's a a lot of our DNA that's built on certain things, and like for instance, the manager having final say on everything. Mm. Whereas if you want to go to that modern structure, director of football, technical directors, that sort of thing, 
manager doesn't always have the final say. Mm, exactly. Uh, like, it, there's oxymorons like that in that. Mm. I think aesthetically, um, like United fans got a little bit kind of caught up in the Woodward thing because you know you look at Gill and because and even Martin Edwards before and before when you're bringing trophies in the door, fans don't necessarily look at what else goes on around the club. Absolutely, you know, yeah. They say we're successful, we we're winning trophies, we'll roll punch to punch. Whereas with Woodward, as we say, he structurally did an awful lot more. Um, beneficial stuff for the club mm. but maybe because he didn't produce the silverware under his tenure that fans look at him as mm. as the, the kind of the, the wicked witch of the West type situation you know that's... absolutely I'm saying that like obviously the vultures the media the journalists are all kind of swooping around now saying that it's an um, abject failure like what 16 years or whatever it is or, well, sorry he had lost uh, he stepped into the role in 2013 sorry 2013, yeah. yeah so from there they're saying like from that point onwards is an abject failure and you can argue fair enough but it doesn't solely go on to fucking him I think it's really no. unfair to you know make he again it goes back to him being uh, being made the scapegoat I'm not trying to give a woe was me but it's absolutely you have to try and be fair here and say it's bullshit as well to single him out and say all of our problems are all completely him. If if he goes, we're going to suddenly win leagues again. I don't think it's that simple. He's basically, been the, bo- he's basically been the boogeyman since the days of Jose. Mm. That, that's the yeah. way I look at it because obviously Jose, um, I think uh, the sports time has probably shown more than anything that. Jose still has a habit of trying to spin things through the media. Absolutely. He tried, absolutely. He tried to do it with the players. Mm. When they won, he was mm. a fucking genius. Mm. When they lost, it was the players that didn't mm. wake up to it. Mm. But Jose was also very selective in using Woodward's name as opposed to talking about Richard Arnold. Mm. To the point where even up to the last summer, we still had lads regularly saying, oh, why hasn't Woodward got his fucking finger out? Why isn't he negotiating deals? Because mm. he fucking doesn't. Why <laughs> <laughs> is he on holiday? Not, yeah, and you'd see that, like boy, Woodward on holiday. Well, he's fucking entitled yeah. to one for starters, and two, he doesn't do the fucking transfers as you say. So, fuck off. You're talking talking shite. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll segue back into the ESL. Okay, so it stopped for the time being. Do we see this happen happening again? A year, two years, four years down the line, and if it does happen again. How are they going to go about it, these 12 or whoever, 15 clubs again? Because what they tried this time around hasn't worked. Like, what's yeah, next? Well, look, I, like, I'm at this stage, so I'm 36 years old. Mm. In my like, lifetime watching football, there's been at least three serious attempts at this. Mm. And this is the one that's gone to the furthest because it's the first one that ever had a name to it and a press release. Mm. Like, it's the first time that there was a a solid piece of information about what it was to be, bar the super, like just having that sort of air mm. super yeah. type thing. Now, given, I think, given the time that we're in, and like, if, let's be honest, Barcelona, especially, they're being murdered by this bloody pandemic. Two billion debt now or something, yeah. isn't it, at least? Oh, I'm not sure exactly what the figure is. I think crazy. the last official figure was 250 million on the books, and then there was an expectation that there would be a much bigger hit this year because you also had the other clubs not having any revenue that mm. is part of the whole Barcelona sport window. Mm. But like, if it's less than half a billion, you wouldn't be shocked. Or more than half a billion, you wouldn't be shocked. And if it's closer to the billion, 
given they're losing, I think it's what, 300 million a gate money each year now at the moment. Mm, yeah. Notwithstanding like, any other losses. But like, for them, I think this was a shining bullet of, oh, look, the 10 year deal, it's 3.6 billion quid into our pocket. Mm. With a 300 million like hello at the start of it. And that is like, I think most of them were gone down the lines of the champ, like Champions League TV money is worth two billion a year as thing stand. Mm. That that whole tournament is built off those names, mm. whether we like it or not. It is. It's the history of Real Madrid, man. You know it. Ninety nine trophy wins from it, isn't it? No, see, you don't have history. Yeah, exactly. It was a bad name to use, but like AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus. All former champions. Mm. Like if you, I think if you added all of the founding twelve Champions League wins together, you can obviously discount a few of them. Mm. It's over half of the Champions Leagues in history, or mm. it's a real yeah. figure. Like, I'm not kind of not about the trophy wins. I really, like I can't remember who it was. I said it to me. Um, it was on the Sunday night. Sense absolutely, f- yeah, scandalous that a club like say Nottingham Forest or even Aston Villa aren't in there, and you've got Spurs. Yeah. Cluffy won back to back European Cups for God's sake. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's crazy. Like, I know they're in the championship. He did, but they also don't have a team cup to piss in at the minute. I know so, they don't, for sure. And, and who's gonna, whatever about going to pay and watch Arsenal and Spurs, mm. as bad as they are, mm. they're a draw in comparison to the Forest. Oh, I totally get that. I have a Forest mate, I have a mate who's a Forest uh, supporter anyway as well, but. It's just cr- some of the arguments for putting them in are just absolutely crazy. Like there was nothing super about some of these teams. Arsenal, they're I, Neville's right. They're in absolute shambles at the moment. Like we were not, we're in around where they were. We're having a good season this year, and long may it last. Hopefully into next season and so on. But Arsenal have just been absolutely shambolic in the league and in Europe as well for quite some time. Like, um, but that's the thing. You look at all, like the one thing in common with like, most of those clubs is twofold. Mm. Most at this stage have money trouble or have a debt that they're servicing. As I call it, the COVID tap. They're essentially looking to secure their own futures. Yeah, yeah. But this this is the other double edged sword of it. Mm. If a club like Barcelona, because obviously there's not really a site when this is going to end and when stadiums are going to be filled again. How there's it, like there's no sign that there's any sort of bailout or restitution from UEFA or any football body, and then, in fact UEFA's own rules they haven't already sort of change FFP mm. to save them from losing these big teams from their own competitions. Mm. This boy saying, well, we want everyone to run like run within their means, and like we've got this odd situation where. If if a juggernaut like Barcelona went bust tomorrow, mm. is that a bigger travesty to the football or what was being proposed that like, would give them a future? Because that's I'm a good point. Sure which, and uh, like I know we've all had this discussion of, but we all agree this was self-serving. Mm. It was money grabbing. Yeah. But like. If things continue as they are at the present moment, and like, let's face it as well, UEFA aren't exactly angels. They've mm. like, butchered this tournament to basically um, allow the bigger leagues to have mm. advantages that yeah. no one else could have. Mm. We've gone from the point where anyone could 
draw anyone to country protection. Mm. Guaranteed spots for Italy, ourselves, Spain, and that, Germany. That, that's a great segue as well, I suppose, into we've talked about just before starting recording here. Like this new proposed Champions League. It's absolutely mind-boggling. I'm going to read out a few of the bullet points on it and so what they're proposing. Just you hit yeah, that, go ahead, Darren. Um, because I know you said, do we see this happening again? Yeah, 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 sorry. Um, I heard a, a, somebody quote something earlier and I was, I was dying to get it in. He said, it's like the, it's like a guy, a bloke leaving his girlfriend. He has mm. to leave her five times before she realises it's actually over. <laughs> so, this is going to happen another couple of times before it's done. You know, when you say it's done as in done as in it it goes ahead or done as in they're never going to try it again. No, no, no. Done before it goes ahead. You. Um, and, and I and I was the one that, that kind of said to you yesterday. I said this thing will be blown up you know, in twenty minutes. So you believe it will this. eventually lead to this then? Yeah, it will. I okay. think so. Uh, Do you think so, John? Huh? Do you think it will eventually no, lead to a European Super League? We'll eventually get it. Do you think we'll eventually get a European Super League like what they've proposed? Darren believes that we will get it. I think we'll end up with something in that manner. What structure it holds or whether it's under UEFA's arm is a whole other thing. Like, again, I think in the last 48 hours we've seen how much self-interest there is from both the club side of things and from UEFA's. Like we have to remember, UEFA charge hundreds of millions of euro every year to basically put their name on the competition. Mm. And there's a, almost a monopoly in European club football under UEFA. Mm. For, like, in, if we go back to the start of Champions Cup, well, European Cup, UEFA didn't even want it. Mm. In the early editions, the English FA blocked their teams from being in it. Mm. We're we're not talking something that's like enshrined in football. Mm. The domestic game is what makes football, and it's like this is being a tradition as opposed to an obligation. Mm. And it, 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 it's blown out of all proportion to the point where the tournament has been restructured and bastardized multiple times. It's not a Champions League because mm. there's more teams that aren't domestic champions. Fuck's sake, there's more teams in the group stage that aren't domestic champions than there is in the groups that are... Exactly, and you said something very controversial as well, and especially for United form as well, and it's often forgotten, is that our treble win started out with us being in the qualifying stages to get into the group, and then to go on to win the feckin' thing. Like So we went into the yeah, back doors, you would call it. And our fan base was one of the largest proponents of not allowing the team that was second or third in the domestic league going mm. into it, which is the irony, the same way that we... Laughed at Liverpool when Istanbul accord when they were in as what was a fourth place or something in the league or third place. In yeah, the league and yeah. And they won trophies same way as even as recently as from, uh, picking up Wonder Clock. I, yeah, I think obviously I speak for everybody when I say this now. I think the huge issue was the closed door quote. Everybody you just heard. I've never heard that expression so much as what I have in the last forty eight hours. And yeah, myself and John were trying the, to argue. Uh, how I, this came you know, about? I know Sorry. we had the in the like obviously in the admins chat. Mm. There's sort of an illusion of competition in the first place in the Champions League, and even domestically that, as well. Yeah, any, as well. Yeah. Anyone that like wants to say otherwise is sort of kidding themselves because you can't have a situation where 
four countries are guaranteed 12 spots in what was a 24 group mm. like, like, that doesn't make sense mm. if if it's a situation where we're saying we want competition we want a, a relatively speaking level playing field for want of a better term you can't have that where there's already a built-in advantage for those countries just because those are the larger established countries mm. it doesn't make sense you're, you're not in a situation where everyone's having an equal shot and like it's also how the coefficients are built because this is like mm. this is what we've seen for years it's absolutely yeah so like we we were arguing about it on the forum there the other day and going backwards and forwards with Ali and David and a few others and whatnot and I kind of kept on saying that the football I suppose essentially sold it uh, sold to the devil in nineteen ninety two with the breakaway Premier League another it's that breakaway closed door um, and I sent onto the forum um, quotes from Tony Cotty and funnily enough he was with Everton at the time I think it was and. Uh, they were one of the. If he wasn't, it was with West Ham anyway. So it didn't doesn't even matter which club he was with. But he said, you know, it wasn't quite closed, but it certainly was unfair. They had a distinct advantage over clubs outside of the Premier League. They certainly benefited from Murdoch's millions, and UEFA, as you say, then cashed in on that and piggybacked and just kind of ran with it. It, it immediately created a pay gap between the Premier League teams and the lower league sides. It went from this was the beginning of paid for. Um, subs to see your team then on Sky TV. I can remember the days when we had the old scrambled picture television. I'm showing my age here, and you know you had to pay to see your team. You know that's commonplace now. You you need about nine or ten different subs to watch your games. Like there's Amazon. I can't even keep the BT. You know you have your Sky. I can't. I genuinely can't keep up with them all. It's it's just crazy. You wave it jumped in on that, and I have a little timeline here as well to kind of give you an idea. And again, to touch on what John said, the bastardization of their tournaments that they've done. So in 1993, they repackaged the European Cup to the Champions League. And that instantly changed again. They went from having solely the champions of each of the domestic leagues going into the tournament to then first and second. We finished runner-up to Blackburn Rovers in 94-95 and we still got in the Champions League the following season. On the back of that second place finish, uh, a few years after that, then you have the Cup Winners Cup getting ditched in nineteen ninety nine, and the UEFA Cup went through a few different you know formats and you know moving the goalposts. Um, I don't know exactly when it happened. I couldn't find it actually off the top of my head. And I was kind of quite busy today. But then of course you have the Champions League going then from your two spots to your four spots. How on earth it's a quote unquote Champions League when you finish fourth? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And then you've got more recent changes then as well with the Europa Cup, you know, being completely shot on from supporters, clubs, the whole lot. They just didn't give a monkeys about it in recent years until they had that backdoor entry then to go back into the Champions League by winning the Europa League. Like, John's absolutely spot on. They've completely butchered football. Everybody wanted their piece of pie on this, you know. There was money to be had in it and one and all are to blame and... It was ultimately leading up to a situation like this with the ESL. Um, and it continues on. And this is what I was going to lead into then. So UEFA are now proposing for the 2024-25 season an expansion of 32 teams up to 36. And I, I honest to God, you'd want to be Stephen Hawking to try and get your head around the format that they've after sending out on a, on a, a statement today or in the last 24 hours. We can't get our heads around it. We talked about this just before the call as well. Like clubs play first phase against 10 teams, 
top eight qualify for the KO phase. Immediately after that, then it says next 16 go into a playoff for the remaining eight spots. I, I can't make head nor tail of that. Can either of you gents make head nor tail of it? It's a mathematical formula for uh, launching a rocket to the fucking mill. It's crazy. Um, it's absolutely like, crazy. If we think about traditionally, like it's a knockout competition. Mm. Why just try and fuck with it? If you want to have a knockout competition and seed a certain amount of the teams so that mm. you hold them into you know, maybe a quarter-final issue that the top mm. eight seeds should get there like in something like a Wimbledon, let's say. They yeah. seed 32 of the players and the hope is to get them to the final 32. It still leaves you with you know, possibilities of shocks along the way. Not like you can lose three games in your fucking group stage and still get out of it mm. and maybe win a final. Like, like we have to remember the year we won the treble, we won two games in that group stage. Yeah, exactly. We beat Bromby twice and we four draws and, and, and we squeaked in uh, ahead of Barcelona mm. and and managed to win the whole shooting match from there. Absolutely. Like, it doesn't devalue what we did and what we won, certainly from a United point of view, but like if you look at it, is it devaluing the competition slightly? Mm. You know. Sure but what devalues it then is, and this is a blatant contradiction as well, when you look at this new format that UEFA are proposing, a huge bone of contention was the fact that clubs these clubs have a closed door and they're they they do not get relegated, they're constantly in there no matter what. But quite similar to that in this new format, they're suggesting that I think it's one team gets in based on their history if they don't automatically qualify. So if they don't finish top four and if they finish fifth or sixth, like we have done once or twice in, in recent years, you know, we might still get in based on our history, which is essentially the same thing as what the ESL were proposing, but obviously on a much smaller scale. It's fuck. That's, that's a mental rule. That's it's right there on their, on, 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 on their communications. Like, and, it's and absolutely crazy. Say, there's only one. So, okay, let's just go point the sky, you know, on the Champions League and we say, uh, Real finished sixth outside mm. their spots. United finished seventh out of their spots. PSG finished sixth out of their spots, and and one of the Milan clubs finishes sixth. Have you for then got to make a decision based on history, whether they allow, they allow AC, Real, United, or PSG in? It's a mess. They were saying that they were going to do it based on the coefficient. The coefficient, yeah, the best out of them based on the coefficient as well and with the history as well. Like it's just shambolic, and this is kind of the reason why I lost interest in internationals as well. I, I, I can't make it head nor tail of this League of Nations or whatever they've got, they've got going now as well they've just absolutely bastardised football completely inside and out it's it's a joke um, I think we bought all three I'm actually a big fan of the Nations thing mm, oh, I can't stand it. I haven't watched in yeah, Ireland the friendlies are more so in the structure because at the moment you start to we have the Euro qualifiers oh, we didn't we got knocked out of them alright well we've the League of Nations now what happens when we do that? Well, we can end up in the playoffs. Just like, oh. <laughs> Anything that just creates more yeah, games and more revenue. Like the idea taking away the friendlies, but also yeah. like you're, you're left playing teams of a similar standard. Like the, in the when you get the blind draws in the in the Euros and stuff like that, we mm. end up with you know England of England of haven't lost a fucking qualifier in like twenty years or something stupid in them Euros because mm. they're playing like San Marino, yeah. Armenia, Andorra. Yeah. Worthless games where when we put them into the League of Nations, they lost two out of their four games. I think mm. so. You're like happy days. This is, and it's not necessarily against England. It's against all teams. You want teams to be challenged as opposed to you know walking through these European groups with fucking Andorra and San Marino. Mm. Andorra and San Marino are never going to win the Euros, so don't That's put the them point. into the qualies. Yeah. The 
but they're into something that they can legitimately go and win and, mm, have a know, chance on their own level yeah like for me uh, I think the biggest problem with the Champions League as things stand at the moment is you're already giving an advantage to the teams that have an advantage mm. yeah. like, if you're doing that like, you're no different to what was being proposed the only difference is for the Champions League there's an illusion of competition to get there mm. like, if it was a situation where you said to me we're going to have a like 20 team league but we're going to we've 84 teams these are all going to whittle down from fucking like knockout games one-off toys neutral yeah. grounds that's grand to me I don't mind that because yeah. everyone's getting the same opportunity whether you're a minnow or you're a fucking United yeah. like and the way that things are being so convoluted it's such a weight on the coefficient it means that the countries that are already successful still have the highest weight on them and you're doing nothing to actually level the playing field yeah. you're just actually almost guaranteeing more and more that like a small side cannot fucking get there, and as things stand, that's like stupid. That mm. it, it might as well be used like good as a clothes shop. I don't know why the obsession with that phrase came. I think it's just because it was in a fucking uh, on Monday Night Football with Gary Neville, and it's just it's run rampant since, like, you know. But that's it, it's like, it, it, it's much in the same way that like we said it to Dave when we were going back and forth and we don't have like we have relegation in the Premier League the likelihood of an existing team going down is much slimmer than a team that's coming up and that's purely because well the, the evidence is right there now I went and had a look at what you were saying if you look at the top of the championship three of the top five are the teams relegated from the Premier League last season you've got Norwich who are already promoted I believe um, Bournemouth and Watford in the yeah, top five spots so, what you're saying with the parachute payments, the benefit that they have of even being relegated, the funds that they get from the Premier League, it's a distinct advantage over other teams like Nottingham Forest who haven't been near the Premier League in, what, 15, 20 years, longer, and they've, they can, they've already, they can manage to keep hold of their players and then reinvest that somewhere when they go into the Championship as well, and they've got that head start, you know, over the majority of the clubs in the Championship, and you see... I saw it today, I think it was the Athletic ran an article on Norwich. Are Norwich finally going to um, throw off the tag of being a yo-yo club, you know? Um, I suppose what I was going to ask, is there anything, we've talked about, the, I suppose, the ruin of different competitions there. Is there anything either of you guys could think of or is there anything you'd like to see that would come into the game that would actually control the finances? Because they're absolutely, obviously, completely out of control at the moment, you know? And is there anything that can... The, your way for governments, anything the governing bodies can do, FIFA, that you can think uh, of? I think, I think there's uh, fallen off. Oh, hang on there. Uh, sorry about that, folks. I had a bit of a tech issue there, both myself and John, I think. Or not John, uh, Darren, should I say. Um, but I was going to ask, is, like, is there anything really, you know, that you can think of that could be done by the governing bodies, governments, anything like that at all, you know, to try and control this fucking... Uh, you know, football, like spending, like the, the wages, everything, the whole lot is completely TV rights, money, the whole lot is absolutely out of control. Uh, John mentioned there, kind of this while we were off air a little bit, that he, you know, I think the, the horse has already bolted. You know, is it, are we too far gone, too far in the trenches? Can we reverse back some of the damage that we've done? I don't think we can, to be honest with you. And he mentioned medical points that, 
you know, when they last tried to do a player salary cap, um, of course, what do you get? Player revolt, the Trenton strike and whatever else. So I'm all ears if you have anything, if you can suggest anything, guys. <laughs> I, uh, I agree with John. I think we're way too far down the path um, to try and go back, you know. Uh, we'd have been leaving breadcrumbs along the way. Um, I don't think it's possible for us to... For the government to get involved or to kind of to kind of backtrack on stuff, you know, I actually see it. You know, I used to. You remember everyone used to watch the hundred meter final in the Olympics, and mm. we tinge it. You tinge it with who was taking the steroids and who wasn't. And at one stage, I think I heard somebody say, "Let's just let them all take steroids and see who's the fastest." Then, <laughs> you know, and and we're kind of at that stage where. Didn't uh, Nate Diaz say that in UFC or something like that as well? I think it was, or Nick Diaz or something. Uh, you get it in any sport as soon as they mention of well, the scientists can't keep up with the dopers. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're getting that way, like we're, we're financial dopers now in football. Mm. You know? It's funny, it's funny you say that because like, like, when you were uh, getting back up online, I literally said to him, it's like, we have got to the point where the technicalities involved in the fucking accounting related to football is more like uh, footwork than sometimes we see on the pitch. It's mm. just got, like it's just ridiculous how. Do you mean with transfers and stuff like that with clauses and whatever yeah, else? Yeah, you don't even have to talk about clauses. No. Like we saw la- last year, right? Prime example: Haaland. Barcelona and oh. Juventus. Pjanic deal and I can't remember who went yeah and like literally it was just because both players had reached the point in the whole amortization trend that it could be seen as pure profit on the books so Mm. despite them being 30 and I think Arthur's what mid 20s and he's like 24 you had both teams instead of doing the old classic swap it was 80 million or 75 one way and that was just purely so they could write that as a profit on the book and the other could write it as a profit on theirs. <laughs> like, it, it, it's the reason that you see a lot more with players that have gone through their original contract that suddenly they're the ones that clubs are trying to sell and trying to sell for a maximum profit because mm. they can maximise what's going up on the books as a profit. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's the kind of shit that fucking... Like, Murdered a company like Enron or something. Mm. We are now seeing this in football to the point where it's got silly. And this is all because the rules that UEFA have put in place for financial fair play that don't really make sense and don't really actually do one. Mm. It's almost like it's not it's when, almost, it's not when you see somebody UEFA like don't. who can buy their way out of a, a transfer embargo with one point five. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. The crazy thing with this whole setup at the present moment is that you are basically failing an idiot test if you get yourself a transfer bar. Mm. So, Dar- Darren, you mentioned this morning to me about um, the US model of a salary cap. So, kind of, my understanding of it would be, as, as John just described to me when we went off air there for a moment, it would be almost like fancy football. So the FA could say, like, look, each club has 150 million, 200 million. You know, that's your salary cap. You can build your squad around that any which way you see fit. You can have five superstars. If you can manage to get five superstars in on that, you know, then you have the rest of your workhorses, your your Joe Bloggs, your McTominay's, your Fred Shaw's, whoever else. But then you can squeeze in your superstars, your Bruno's, your Pogba's, whoever else to hey you. 
um, and it's up to you how you build your squad with that limit. Could you see that working at all in the Premier League or across Europe, something similar to that effect? I'd love to see it happen. Um, I think I think it's a model that could work. Um, you know, because if you factor in the likes of the TV money, you're you're making sure a club can live within its means. Then, if mm. a club is going to earn a hundred million a year on TV rights, plus they've got their gates, they've got this that, and a brand new pack coming in. If they're making a hundred and fifty to two hundred million a year, mm. and you salary cap at a hundred and fifty, mm. it's workable. Mm. You know. Just to tweak it a little bit, what I was thinking, could they do it based on a percentage of your revenue or whatever your ter- your profit? I don't know. John would probably be able to go more into that as well. People start turning the books then because they want to make the, pro- the percentage bigger for themselves. Ah, okay, yes. Which Fair enough, most, yes. Which right, there goes that idea. <laughs> you know, surely, even if you're talking turnover, it means a club like United has an advantage, advantage over yeah. like okay. a lesser Crystal Palace. That Fine, have a forget I said it. <laughs> Yeah, whereas the, the, the cap itself will actually level the playing field. Mm. Well, I quite like that idea that you mentioned because well, John was saying like, okay, you'll get players revolting like if you if you start talking about salary caps, you're stopping me from earning. But you're, technically, you're not with this because you can still you know pay your Bruno his whatever he's asking yeah. is 200, 250 yeah. grand a week. That, you just have to a, cut somebody a, else down. Difference between saying a max a player can earn mm. and yeah. a max a club can spend. The only problem we've had, and like with most sports where it's not built into the sport previously, is introducing a salary cap and introducing one that clubs and players will accept mm. is much more difficult because there's no structure within the game that can force them to do it. Mm. You're only you'd, end, you'd end up having to go down the trade route where mm. you know you maybe couldn't afford one of their big players mm. and they would maybe trade them to someone like a villa mm. and where Zilla would have the wage salary space of them, and then United in return would get maybe a couple of Villa's lesser lights on lesser money that they could fit in, maybe fill two or three positions with, a mighty cash, a Tyrone mm. Mings, um, something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, well, initially, is the hardest part. I would imagine for the first, you know, for the first, if you, if you try to do that in, say, two to three windows, mm. the, the, the windows would just be absolute mayhem. But we had that anyway with the transfer when they went from you know all year round transfers to going to transfer windows and stuff. Like there's always going to be you know teething problems and whatever else you're going to get that. It's also you know. that like, obviously when we talk about football, we talk about tradition a lot. Or like previous freedoms or things that have been in football since its existence. Changing football is almost universally rejected. Pre- almost always. Yeah, but if you look at it, it's like and. It's, I think it's part of why a lot of smaller clubs have also been hurt by the transfer windows. Mm. Because previously, their way of managing when they were getting like, close to the sun was to sell a player. Mm. And it, that would keep them ticking over until like, prize money for the, their league or whatever was paid out. Whereas now you don't really have that luxury. You, mm. have, you have literally what, a three-month summer window and a one-month Mm. Get it, and like you've a little of extensions for loans, but you're pretty fucked if you can't get your deal done. And mm. it's also now that like because of that and that little ecosystem, it's like a lot less likely for a Premier League club to buy a player from say League One, League Two, mm. which means you've also a knock on that the teams that you're going to be most likely dealing with know exactly what sort of trouble you're in. So. They tend to lowball players 
well, low ball offers or mm. wait until the close on the verge of break because they mm. don't have to. Well, we've seen it with United as well. A lot of clubs tend to have, yeah, but they know it's public knowledge anyway with United what our finances are. You know, they get a rough idea. They've got their own accountants, obviously, and. You know, they strong arm us like we've seen it with Maguire and we saw with the Sancho the Bollicle, like just going on never ending last summer and God we none of us really know all the ins and outs of it, but I'm sure very much like what you're saying there, John, is definitely a case. They you know, there's definitely strong arming going on on both sides. But um I'll try and fly through just a couple of other questions. Um Ed's obviously gone now, so is there anybody I think the obvious name that comes to mind to replace him? I think a lot of people like to see Van der Sar. Is there any other names you'd like to kinda of throw into the hat? Is that too obvious? You know? Where do we go from here with the CEO? Ah, look, Van der Sar is a very qualified candidate to do this. I, whether he would or not or would want to get involved in this is a whole other sketch. Involved with the Glazers, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'd almost like him to get the job to see how different the reaction would be just because, like, can people really say, oh, well, he's a Glazer, yes, man. That's a fucking great point. That's a great point. Like, if things were done in the same sort of way, would he get the same treatment based on that? Well, to be honest with you, John, I... I think he would because you've got somebody like Ali Gunnar Solskjaer who's an absolute fucking club legend like come on Jesus Christ 1999 he's a legend that's all there is to it and you've fuckers all over the fucking forum left right and centre slating him he's a glazer yes man I mean no he's tactile he's fucking intelligent he's not some moron like they keep on saying I've after having arguments for the, from the day he's walked in there he hasn't got the balls to drop Lukaku he hasn't got the balls to drop Fellaini he hasn't got the balls to get rid of Sanchez Oh, a story goes up when I posted it. There was literally seven days in between. Oli Conor Solskjaer fucking turned around and said uh, that Sanchez has a future here at the club. Off you go out to fucking Inter. Good luck to you. He's not a fucking yes man. Like It's just stupid. Like, you know, he's not perfect. I'm not saying he is. But some of the arguments put out are just absolutely idiotic. I could see people turning on Van der Sar as well, as easily as they have there's, on Oli. There's no, like, I, I don't know why fans in general want to see disruption at their club is it not better that that Solskjaer sits there and says ABC exactly and goes off behind the scenes has a private conversation with the owner with the lads above and says listen lads this isn't good enough we need to do things differently absolutely if it's like the Sanchez thing if he's not in my plans he'll go I'm not going to sit and then tell people A is available B this is what mm. we want like you do want to hold your cards a little bit closer to your chest than mm. that, you know well, that's the thing as well. We've had this sort of weird groundswell of, well, we expect them to speak out against them, but we also expect everything to be done in private. You can't have it both ways. Mm. We, like, we've had, like, fucking Nev talk about it was airing our dirty laundry in public and then ask him, why hasn't anyone spoke up against this? Mm. Like, in a lot of scenarios, or, like, obviously the Pogba situation was... Jesus, one that's rumbled on now for fucking three years with like varying degrees of story, spin, and everything in between. But like, you've never heard anyone that works directly with them where one person complain. Mm. Which is, well, which is, I actually think from a PR point of view, he's excellent for United. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. He just, like, he literally tries and just go. Like, mm. fair enough he's got all his own little media bits that he's always going to do he's had some major faux pas but mm. like, it, 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 we have this sort of strange thing where our fan base in recent years that 
it's like they're either ours or they're not mm. and if you get into that not crowd it's almost as bad as like fucking saying look the Glazers have actually overseen one of the most successful periods of our club's history you don't have careful to saying that now John <laughs> no it's just like we don't have to like that they've leveraged the club to like uh, they're different arguments it's fucking you know they're no, miles apart it, like. it's, just, it's just a strange juxtaposition yeah. Like when we had obviously those couple of years with Fergie, with Tevez, with Bruni, Ronaldo, mm. firing on all cylinders, and even obviously Fergie's later years with Rooney and Van Persie, mm. like for for essentially to our last league title, mm. you you didn't have the same amount of vitriol and bollocks that we have mm. in present moments mm. when we're not. With, it, it, like, it's the strange thing with United fans is we sort of became everything that we protested and laughed at for the last 20 years. Mm. I can agree with some of that, absolutely, yeah. Um, like, even look at uh, the talk about the League Cup. It's like, why didn't we try harder? Well, or the FA Cup even. Like, mm. When we won it in 2016, we were failures. When we won the League Cup in 2017 we were fucking geniuses same mm. with the Europa League mm. yet like we can't make our mind up if we want these competitions or not like anyone who's a fan like, wants to win a trophy but how we value them now is completely different to how we value them but it doesn't change that they are not what we are actually looking to win as a goal as a club mm. and even it, I think as recently as last week Southgate said the same himself he's just like my interest is winning a league title that's what and it should be himself. first and foremost yeah absolutely and then failing that then it's the Europa League and people were slaughtering them then for the as you say the FA Cup when we lost the game to Leicester that's the first time Leicester got the better of us now like in fucking four or five years since the Louis van Gaal mall <laughs> to, to, to my mind anyway um, but he, like, he rested a few players and whatever else and of course the form just fucking lit up there was a fire lit underneath it and all hell broke loose but um, I'll kind of round it out and I, I, I let the two of you know. So on the back of Woodward resigning, there's been a lot of speculation that the Glazers finally, you know, pack up their shit and they leave. Um, myself and John, you know, it's not defending them at all. We go out onto the forum and more often than not, there are some absolutely fucking idiotic posts put out. I'm not a fan of the Glazers, so I've said that time and time again. If there's a realistic, genuine alternative out there I'll take them now I was chatting to the two East, as I said this morning and you're both coming from different angles on this um, Darren you very much don't mind from what I could tell I don't be putting words in your mouth you can have your saying this of course in a minute you don't mind if we go to an oligarch if in the form of an Abramovich you don't mind if you go the route of you know oil money and Equitari or Saudi or Abu Dhabi consortium or whatever it might be Whereas John feels a bit more strongly about that and he doesn't want to be going down that and he sees it as completely morally bankrupt and the humanitarian rights crisis, you know, attached to these fuckers, basically. Um, I do agree with what you said, Darren. They're all scumbags, basically, pretty much, and it's just varying degrees of it. Um, do you there want is to... a caveat, like, obviously, from what we were talking about. Mm. Yeah. Like, if it, when we were talking about the... Saudi's been linked with buying United from the Glazers what, mm. was a year and a half ago, two years ago, yeah. when they went to that meeting in Riyadh, or were invited to Riyadh for the business convention. 
Mm. If it was something like that, I'd have a massive problem with that on and Man United. And like, it's not, it's, it's a basic moral thing. If we're after having a kick in the fuss about the morals and ethics of the Super League, it's morally reprehensible for me to be involved with a bunch of people that like have numerous human rights issues as recently as the last two years murdered a journalist for speaking the truth about their country mm. under the guise of a, a visit to a consulate and then basically proceeded to lie and try to hide the killing. All that sort of thing it, like, is what you're getting in bed with there. And, and if it did come to fruition, if they did buy out, would you stop following United? Would you stop watching? Would you stop investing in the club? I'd stop investing in the club. Well, I've started to stop investing in the club a long time ago. The interest mm. would be a lot less. And I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the football in the same way that I do. Mm. And so I'd probably look, and I'll put it this way, right? All this, like, Businessmen like the Glazers, not they're fucking vultures. Always have been, always will be. Most people that are going to buy a football club at this point are also vultures. Mm. They're in it for the money, in it for the dividends. And it's been that case that you know, going back further than we care to really allow ourselves to believe. Michael Knight and Edwards and all the rest of it. What was that, yeah, late the 80s, moment, early 90s? The moment, the moment the Edwards. Uh, like got around the football association rules on dividends by mm. creating a PLC. Mm. We sold allowed ourselves to have our souls sold. Mm. That like that's the reality of it. That was the moment that money stack on out of the club and we have it constantly with people when shares are sold, our shares dividends, are dividends, yeah. Loans. It's no different to what we've had for over fucking nearly 40 years at this stage. Mm. The only difference is now you have a name over the door that you don't really like. And to be quite frank, I don't give a shit. It's the same thing. Mm. You're, you're complaining about something you didn't give a shit about 30 years ago. Or like in some cases, people sort of ignorant through it, don't know the history or club's ownership structure mm. and like that. <laughs> and like, it, remember, the Edwards family tried, what, twice? Mm. Before we had the sale to the Glazers to get rid of the club. Yeah, at least twice. Yeah, at least yeah. But you, including the sale to B Sky B, that was mm. overruled. Yes, that was huge. Yeah, no, I know that. I remember that. Yeah. And like this is the simple reality. And, and that was blocked by the government. And it's funny that yeah. you mention that at a time with the ESL as well. That's actually a great point. Yeah, but there's a difference between blocking the ownership of a deal because it would be uh, breaking certain rules around. It was a conflict of interest or something, wasn't it? I can't quite remember. Some, yeah, something like that. And Getting into bed together, basically. <laughs> given Sky is Sky's uh, place with the Premier League, etc. I think mm. they were also a shareholder in the league at the time as well. Yeah. But any businessman that boys into Man United at this stage or looks to buy United are doing it for the money. They're not they're not doing it for the love of the game. There's mm. not very many Tony Tony Blooms in the world anymore. Mm. And if anyone doesn't know who Tony Bloom is, Tony Bloom's a self made man that fucking bought Brighton as his club mm. hometown club and has obviously brought him to the Premier League, invested fucking millions at this stage <laughs> and will continue to do so probably till he dies. Mm. 
the same way Jack Walker did with Blackburn. Mm. But we like we at this point are the size we are. We're only either going to be bought out for basically in all likelihoods a royal family looking to sport wash mm. or someone that's looking to take a part and get as much money out of us as possible. Mm. There Absolutely. isn't that shine and night mm. unless there's a billionaire United fan out there that wants to buy us up and then fucking. We'll all chip in with our next salaries, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, Do you want to count to that, Darren? That, that's probably where I would agree with you to, to a degree, you know. Anyone that buys United at this stage is going to be an absolute fucking degenerate. There's no other words for it. Because to get to where these guys have gotten to, to be able to buy something like that, the majority of them are fucking degenerates. They've had to do stuff along the way that we probably wouldn't even dream of sitting here, you know. Guys don't get to the top of their fucking tree, you know, being all noisy-nice. We know that. That's the fucking world all over. Mm. The guys that get to the top of the tree are the cunts that shit everyone, on everyone along the way. So if you're going to deal with some sort of absolute degenerate, why not deal with the Saudi boys? Why not take their money? Why not, you know, invest it in the club, service the fucking deck, get rid of it, invest in the stadium, invest in youth, you know, like... Now, you also made a good point. I'm sorry to cut across here. You also made a point as well that, okay, I know it's not perfect, but they have, like, uh, countries like Abu Dhabi and, you know, places like Abu Dhabi um, have improved with their, um, I suppose, their, I say, say their treatment of women, for example. And I know it sounds a bit crazy to say, but they've started to allow women to drive. I think it was last year or the year before. And, you know, they're starting to, I suppose, if you want to say, maybe come out of the dark ages a little bit. Now, you have got John's incident as well. I know a friend of mine, he's, he's a Saudi lad and he was living in London mm. and he actually moved back home because now he can go to the mall and he can sit there with his girlfriend and have a bite to eat because mm. in past, under past regimes, this wasn't allowed. Mm. That's why he didn't live there. Mm. But he's actively gone back to Saudi now because things are changing. Mm. You know, it's a far more progressive regime they're under now than they were previously. And I mean, if Ben Salman was to take a like to United, and he thought, you know what, this could be my toy. Because mm. basically, you know, whether it's a Brambovich buying you, mm. or it's, you know, Sheikh Mansour, or a Thin mm. Sam, you are their toy. Mm. You know, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, All they, they them. Peter the whole lot. As they see fit. And they'll go through stages where they're going to be super interested, and you're going to get extra, kind of, few quid out of coffers. And then they're mm. going to go through times where maybe they're not really pushed on it, and you'll get the bare minimum of what's going, and stuff like that. Mm. Like, I mean, does it, would it, would we lose any of our history? Um, because I know we, we spoke about this earlier. Yeah. You know, would we lose any of our history? You know, going down the going down the path with somebody like that, you can strip a club of its history. Mm. You know, like we can. We, we're in a, an ever changing world, and mm. um, things have evolved massively. You know, since as we talk about, you know, United players died for that Champions League. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, things have changed since then. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see or I don't envisage anything where we go forward and we don't end up in the hands of someone like this. You know? No, I, I'd agree. Unfortunately, it just looks like all roads, you know, lead towards like uh, oil money, pretty much. There is, like, I know somebody said Elon Musk or something like that. You know, you're getting. Elon Musk isn't getting involved. 
No, I know this is it. I, I'm not saying he like, is. It's just crazy. The biggest problem for Elon Musk is most of his money is, is really based on the value of stocks and shares and yeah. shares. It's not mm. actually. He's not a cash rich person in that respect. Yeah. So it, like, it, there's a little bit of a difference between Bezos. He has a mixture, of, like obviously his apps, mm. Amazon stock, and like previous funds from sales. Yeah, Musk isn't. Wouldn't want fucking Bezos either. Really, he's a fucking dickhead anyway. So, (laughs) and you're just going from it's frying pan to fire from fucking Glazers to uh, to Bezos anyway. Like, what the fuck is the point? It's one of those. And he wouldn't tell you who fucking Busby is either. Football shouldn't mix. If you get into that situation. That's where there's severe dangers because let's just let's just say there's another Kasogi and the fucking royal family's bought the club. That drags the club's name with it. Mm. Even though the club has nothing to do with it, it will have our name dragged into it repeatedly because, as Per said, we're their toy, we're their play team. Mm. They can do whatever the fuck they want with us. The other end of things is. And like, if you have a situation, and let's face it, like British journalism has a habit of it. You've got the Guardian and Times that would no doubt straight away start going down those angles. Mm. Like, do we then worry about the repercussions that like a journalist for writing the truth would have a fucking death squad sent to England to get them? Like, I think you'd be right in that. that they they that, would. Like, journal probably fucking deserve it, won't you? Mm. I think just pretty because it's Man United. If it was the Sun or something, maybe they're making shit. They're all absolute rats. It doesn't matter what fucking rag you write for, you're a rat either way. Mm. You know what I mean? They're same as owners. They're fucking degenerates. The the guys that are writing stuff in papers, I know what they write bullshit, Mm. but they write it fucking anyway. Mm. You know? That's the thing. We're not talking red tops and. No, but there's not there's not a whole big difference between red tops and the fucking Guardian or Telegraph, man. There's really not, you know. Mm. Well, I wouldn't call it, that's the thing. I wouldn't call it the Telegraph journalism. <laughs> so it's yeah, you're kind of you're you know you're you're kind of looking at apples and apples there. They're both mm. fucking apples, you know. Mm. Like it's if it no, gets likes and like, shares and all the rest of it, it where, if it's a situation where they did anything that show, like in fairness, like if you look at it, the fucking. How many of us voted yes for a gay marriage? Like, mm. Do you think if United are having a friendly in fucking Saudi Arabia, it's like hypothetically, no gay fan can go to that. Mm. Not if they want to actually be themselves. Mm. They're going to have to be like, closeted like it's fucking 1960s. Mm. No, but they couldn't go to Russia either for the fucking World Cup, could they? No, mm. but that's the point. It doesn't make and that's why FIFA got better. shit for it as well then. But mm. do we beat Abramovich with a stick because he's Russian and his government won't allow him to fucking, mm. you know, won't allow gays? Like, like, mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, well, well Abramovich, in fairness, is like, he's not really a person that's welcome home either, given what he did with Berezutsky and he, his own like sales with a gas bomb and stuff like that. He'll have nowhere else to hide. <laughs> he has his yacht. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Doesn't need a fucking I settle down. Political asylum in the Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah, I sure. And remember when they threatened to take his passport away and mm. that whole fucking mess for him in the first place. Like, and he, he got into bed with the Israelis for fourteen months. Like, 
I knew this would get you going. This. <laughs> no, it's just like it, it, it's one of those when you like when you go away from sport and you end up in like Jesus Christ, what sort of fucking geopolitical shit are we going to get dragged into? It, it's it's funny that you no, mentioned that though as well about like the, the journalists. I don't care whether they're tabloids or whatever red tops, whatever you want to call them or whatever. Just journalists being journalists and United being United and what they are. The the You've said it yourself, and you know it yourself, John, that we generate so many likes, clicks, shares, ad revenue, you know, and you get something like what you've just... I'm like kind of agreeing with you. Like, If you get like something with the journalists happening again, you know, over in Saudi Arabia, and we're owned by the Saudis, that's fucking money for any journalist. You can create any old story, you know, and just run with it. It could have, you know... Well, Say that again, Darren. You know, pictures with him, they'd be putting pictures up with him wearing a fucking United jersey. You know. But so that's what's gonna happen, like. It's got half a brain. No, mm. that's not what's going on in the fucking club. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You've got to be able to decipher from somebody that's the club and the mm. club. Yeah, but we no. already don't have that there at this point. <laughs> exactly because of the fans the fucking people can't uh, can't accept that, like, look, we're owned by businessmen, the same way as we were with the Edwards family for fucking all that time but John has the point as well like with Woodward still getting linked with uh, negotiate, negotiating transfers when it's not it's been fucking George for what about two three years now at least minimum since Van Hal's time yeah there you go then and they're still fuck get the finger out Woody last summer like you know and, 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 and we had it even yesterday somebody put on the fucking page that we need a sporting director let that fucking sink in some cabbage went and fucking posted and I thought we have a we need a sporting director. I said that was announced about six weeks ago, pal. Uh, Darren Fletcher's at the club, like you know, and there was a whole fucking uh, press release all about it. Like, how do you miss something like this? You know, it's just people getting tagged with things that they have absolutely nothing to do with, and I can see both sides, but that's fuel for fire. I can kind of understand where John's coming from, and it'd be bad PR. And looking at our press releases last night, club statement. I mean, shambolic. Whoever that PR person is should be fucking sacked on the spot along with Ed Woodward and the rest of them. It's like it's so shambolic. I don't want apologies because they come across as false as well. At this point, you've made your decision. Just fucking say we did uh, it. If the Saudis do, boy, they won't sack them. Mm. They'll chop the cunt's arm off. <laughs> exactly. You type well, that. You know Choppy. <laughs> we'll, we'll have 25 league titles and 7 Champions League at that stage. So who gives a fiddlers? Now, saying that, and you make a great point there as well. This is all back as what John said as well. The counteract what he said as well. Yeah, that's it. But as well, what you said as well. If if we're winning leagues and trophies and whatever else, you know, nobody gives a shit what's happening up in the back room. No, ah, that's well, and it's going for them because we talked about Gil earlier. Yeah, Gil been and John, you gave that example as well. And nobody gave Highlanders because at the end of the season we went up to pick up two trophies most years. And that's why he still love to this day. And people still love him to this day, like, you know, and they go, oh, get Gil back in. The minute Edward went, yeah, the minute Edward went, it was all over the form saying, get uh, Gil back. Like, Jesus Christ, fucking hell, like, you know. Not against this, but, you know, it just goes, kind of goes to show and prove the point that sentimentality and rose-tinted glasses and all the rest of it, you know, as long as you're winning. If David Gill really wanted it, he would have never ran as soon as Fergie had the I, I fucking agree, totally. 
He got out of there like shit off his shovel. Oh, fuck. He flew out that door. He did. There was a fucking, you know, a gill-shaped uh, sized fucking cloud behind him. Vroom, gone. Out there. Good luck to you. And left somebody else to fucking pick up the pieces. Didn't give a shit. I'm sure. What was it he went to? It was a voluntary post, wasn't it? Absolutely shambolic. And people still blowing smoke up his arse. You know? They don't blame him at all. Just dump it all in fucking Woody. Like, I'm, again, not fucking praising the fella, like, thinking he's a genius or anything like that. Far from it. But call a spade oh, a spade. Sweet. That's always the funny thing for me, really, Gail, that you sort of got, look, if we, if Fergie hadn't, like, had it gone through with his early retirement, would we be having these conversations for the last 18 years? Because I think we would have. Mm. I don't, like, I don't think the club would have been in a position to actually do anything. And when you have that, like, it's one thing that sticks in my mind about the Moyes, uh, situation when Moyes arrived at the club and realised oh there's nothing here there's no structure mm. their structure was Fergie oh it was and and Fergie admitted that and that's why he wanted it he had a dead grip on everything but that that was the thing there was like mm. you've said it time and time again there was no future proof in it mm. and like for all the talk of football and men and all that bollocks like the so called football man if Gil was like when he was a banker himself Mm. He did nothing to actually protect us from, like, in that post Fergie team. And but, folks want him back. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it's crazy. Let's also remember, he was also the one that was complicit in saying, "What do you think, Alex? Who who should we bring?" And no, I know. The I know. Conversation is like, yeah, crazy. Like, oh, that you'll was got, <laughs> yeah. John is John is class now. He is with the hammers. He got, he got fucking drafted majorly, and only God bless him. Oh jeez. Uh, I, I don't uh, don't think so much he got shot. I think he got into a situation he couldn't control, and there was a job that was too big for him. That's but it. Like, in fairness, almost his lack eventually fucking re- uh, like recovered his form. Mm. Found a club that suited his. Well, there, was, there was there was nobody gonna go into that club and be successful though. Mm. Because I, of the structure I, and because of how it was so reliant on Fergie, you know, I, like I think you may have had a better reaction from players if you had a certain gravitas and experience. Mm. I don't like. I don't think what Moyes did ingratiated him to anyone. I think I, I agree with I you. And you often say it, John. I think. I think timing is everything. I think timing is really, really important. If you get the right manager in at the right time, you know, you build towards something. We didn't build towards anything. We fell apart. And I kind of agree with Darren. I don't think it really would have mattered. I think it mightn't been as bad as going down to seventh and, you know, the implosion in the dressing room, you know, the bad feeling, the bad vibes, the whole fucking play like Phil Jaggy Elka type things going on. Happy days. <laughs> Um, look, yes. I think we're kind of going off the beaten track here. We started off on ESL anyway, and you know, thanks uh, a million for your time, gents. Thing, it, it, like, it, it, and to go back to the honours thing, we've basically had a whole conversation about morality of like that league because it's based purely on money. If and a close shop, John, looking at, looking at accepting someone as an owner because they're going to pump us money in and we don't care where that money comes from or how that money got to be we might as well say here lads is there any drug cartels that want to buy us because that's what we're sort of getting in bed with mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. like if the Kinahan gang said you know what we've enough to put aside we're going to buy United 
Like, well, our buddy Connor t- uh, was t- uh, t- t- tweeting about it. Tomorrow, if, if that was the, he was owning you. Yeah, yeah. But don't forget. From- look at the likes. Of, look at the likes of Daniel Kinnan. Look at the boxers that have gone into bed with him as well. Mm. So, right, enough, with so it's you know. It's, it's, and then the government looking at him then. Well, mm. anyone at that level, like you know, has skeletons. So mm. I don't believe there's you know this holy fucking angel that's gonna buy you know because I don't believe there's one around with no, a big pocket. So as I said, there's not very many Tony Blooms in the world, no. and I doubt you know they're gonna find one. But they're not going to. All roads seem to lead towards oil money, and that's all there is to it. I yeah. think we're we're long past the point, and especially with the value of the pool between shares, assets, all that sort of things mm. that most people don't care about. Mm. We're a long way past the point where that's going to be bought up by a fan group or. Mm. Breaking up a little bit there, John. Oh, sorry. Talking. There's no chance that people want. Sorry, no, no you're right. Like, yeah. A German style 50 plus one is going to be invoked at this point because they can't. Mm. The inter- it, it would be losses, and the British government would have to. I should have actually asked you about that. Do you think? I, I, I think all three of us would probably be in favour of it a 50 plus one, the German setup. But realistically, can you ever see it happening? No, I think that horse is long since bolted. Again, like the salary caps as well. and the game's ruined. You, you, <laughs> you have to. No, it's just like you have to completely restructure things that are bought and built. You then it's too much backtracking. Scenario where they're gonna have to rebate owners because they're mm. forcing them into shares. This isn't uh, um, conscription into the fucking army or anything like that. Mm. Like it, it's businesses based on free trade, mm. and like I know people hate to hear football clubs being referred to as businesses. But Tough shit. Your minimum income is 150 million quid because of a TV deal. You're a fucking business. Mm. Yeah. You're a bloody big business at that. Um, look, I think we've kind of overran a little bit here, and I know I don't want to be keeping you uh, too late here. Um, you've all got your own personal lives, and I think we've done our best to try and touch on as many different topics as possible. I hope you enjoyed having the chat, guys, and um, thanks a million for joining us tonight. I'll just throw out to all the lads. Um... <laughs> Soon as Goinies opens up, I'm heading in to buy the tea towels, lads. I'm going to be stitching all together as head <laughs> So I'm shouting to buy them. Hit me up on Facebook. I'll be down three for 20 quid. And we can do a fucking trip to Old Trafford next season on the boat. I absolutely love life. We're a title, baby. I have to throw in a disclaimer here now. D- uh, Darren's expre- uh, views are his own and expressed but, uh, purely of his own accord. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, the Corbin boys back in Old Trafford behind the fucking... Yes, What ever happened to those guys behind Alex Ferguson, for fuck's sake? Remember them? He was giving them... I remember always watching me United review videos every year and I'd always watch them with the, uh, the whole family sitting there, the arms crossed... Story going around that he was at one stage paying for their tickets. Alex Ferguson was, yeah, wouldn't surprise me, wouldn't surprise me. Absolute yeah, gent, quite recently, in the last 18 months, maybe. And they did show up, around, didn't they? Around, they... Where, around where the dugout was, um, yeah, there was quite a large group of people that he was paying for their season tickets. But and I'm pretty sure with that game that he came back, the charity game, they showed up at that, didn't they? I'm yeah. pretty sure they did. Gas, you can get in with them. <laughs> you can get in with them look gents I'll leave you as go thanks a million again very much appreciated and I hope the listeners enjoyed the chat as well we did our best to try and touch on as many 
different uh, caveats of this uh, whole ESL, the finance in the game, and so is Ed going, what happens next, did the Glazers sell up, and you know, was there a knight in shining armour with a clean slate, I don't know, I don't think so either myself, and I think all roads kind of lead to, uh, to oil money unfortunately, and it's up to each of us then I suppose to decide, you know, um, is that going too far morally, you know, are we going to turn off the TV sets and just not follow United anymore, we're we not going to invest in it. That's, you know, we teach us uh, ourselves to make that call. But uh, thanks, William, for listening, guys, and thanks, William, for joining in.